Welcome to Money Isn't Scary, a podcast for women to explore our fears around money and inspire each other to be financially empowered. I'm Megan Dwyer, and I'm making it my personal mission to remove the taboo around money and help women rewrite their stories so they can stop staying small and begin to live life on their terms. In this show, we get real and uncomfortable as we unpack our beliefs, thoughts, and behaviors that aren't serving us anymore. I can't wait for you to join me on this journey. So let's dive in. Hi, you guys. Welcome to today's episode of the Money Isn't Scary podcast. I'm your host, Megan Dwyer. And Happy New Year. It's crazy to think that the holidays are now behind us and we are officially into 2022. And I wanted to start the new year off with one of my favorite conversations for the podcast, I think, of all time. Today, you're going to hear me talk with Rebecca Wiener-McGregor, who is a breakthrough maker coach helping guide her clients through their stuckness, which I think we're all feeling right now, using techniques like hypnosis, mindfulness, breathing, meditation, gratitude, neuroscience, and most importantly, massive doses of love and compassion. I don't know about you guys, but I know that with for myself, with all the craziness of the holidays these last few months, I've gotten stuck again. And I've fallen back into old patterns and I've let my anxiety and my fear take over, which I'm going to talk about more in some coming episodes. But what's really cool about this conversation that I wanted to share is Rebecca's just extremely gentle approach to addressing these fears and anxieties and these thoughts and beliefs in our own lives. And I think it's exactly what I needed to begin reframing how I see things and just basically renew my energy at this time of year. So here's a little bit about Rebecca. Rebecca Wiener-McGregor is an amplifier of love and catalyst for breakthroughs. She shares her gifts as a transformational hypnotist and money mindset coach committed to helping visionary women live their truth, step into their divine purpose, and create the life of their dreams. Over the last 16 years, she's helped her clients to release old blocks, traumas, loss, and hidden fears to find a deeper sense of self-worth and determination to live life on their own terms. Using that self-worth and determination as fuel to create the life that they've been dreaming of with deeper connection, more joy, more impact, wealth, and more fun, right? Rebecca's clients include spiritual entrepreneurs, coaches, healers, executives, entertainers, and influencers, women who have a message to share with the world. She's worked with women across the country and around the world to release limiting beliefs and rewire their subconscious mind to feel limitless, take action, and create a life filled with abundance. Rebecca lives with her husband in a relationship that she manifested and her rescue dogs, Lucy and Millie, in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, where she loves books, art, music, and has the ever so slight Netflix Netflix infatuation and loves spending time hosting her friends and family. In our conversation today, we talk about how hypnosis helps with healing anxiety and fear, the power of allowing yourself to feel your hard emotions, viewing our fears as a compass, what judgment really means, how we limit ourselves by letting others decide what happiness means for us, and so much more. You guys can follow Rebecca on her website, RebeccaWiener.com, and that's R-E-B-E-C-C-A-W-I-E-N-E-R.com, and also on HealWithHypnosis.com, 
where, you know, if you're interested or you've really resonated with anything that we've talked through today in our conversation, you can set up a call with her and just talk through what might be possible for you. All right, you guys, here we go. I hope you enjoy. Hi, Rebecca. Welcome to the Money Isn't Scary podcast. Thanks so much for being here today. Hey, Megan. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I'm excited for this conversation. I am too. So I want to start by having you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your mission in the world. Okay. A little bit about myself. And it's like, uh, it's almost hard to separate the mission right now because it's so, you know, my capital T truth. The mission is to help people not be scared of fear and to also infuse our life in a lot of love. And that came from, you know, my long winding road, which I won't tell the whole thing because it'll take six hours, but to share with you that I've been helping people as a hypnotist and a coach for 17 years now and helping them to release panic and blocks and limitations and anxiety and fears and all that stuff that stands in our way from feeling pretty good most of the time and to taking calculated risks and moving ahead with our lives. And that all came from a time in my life when I didn't feel that way and I needed that help myself and was able to find it and find hypnosis. And then of course, you know how we are when we find something that really works for us, we want to tell everybody. And so that's really what happened to me and how I got into that, that business. I live in a tiny little town with my sweet husband, and now we have three dogs and uh, a lot of land and a quirky house. So, <laughs> Awesome. Well, it's so cool because this is why I started the podcast too. I mean, you, yeah. you always want to help and give back because whatever helps you is going to help somebody else. It just right. is. And right. so to be able to, to turn that around and make that your business and your life mission, I think is really cool. Yeah. And because I think, especially for visionaries, which I think you're a visionary as well, there's that feeling of desiring solutions to really big problems and pain and not really wanting people to suffer because, you know, I've suffered. I don't want people to go through what I have. And so when I found the thing that was able to help, it wasn't a flip switch like we talked about before we started recording. It was, you know, it's layers and shifts and things like that. But to be able to release suffering has been very, very valuable to me. Yeah. Even if, absolutely. even just in my little corner of the world, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, it all starts with you, right? So yeah. you can't change the world in, you know, in a day. You can't right. yourself. You can't control what other people do, but you can control yourself and your own reactions and how and your own beliefs and right. thoughts, and, and you know, and you can question those defaults which I think a lot of people just live on autopilot with that. So when you can kind of start to be aware of it and start to make some shifts, then that's where the magic happens. Yep, exactly. And that is magical because that takes a lot of trust in yourself. It takes being able to witness and observe and build your awareness and then trust that what's on the other side of that belief is something that you can handle and grow and you know, it's all a really trusting process. And then when it falls in place, magically, quote unquote, magically, right? It really does feel like magic because you do the work, you put in the effort and you make the shift and it's like, oh, 
why did it take me so long to get here? This is so much easier. This is so much more fun. But we had to go through all the stuff to get there, right? It's like, right. you just got to fill in the puzzle pieces. I love that. I'd love it if you could give us an example of how you work with clients. So when somebody sure. comes to you and they have, I'd love first of all to hear um, some of the common issues or the common concerns that people sure. come to you, client clients come to you with. And then the steps that you take in that process to work with them and move through it. I'd love to hear a little sure. bit more about that. Okay. When someone reaches out to me, they've found me either through a referral or through the internet, of course. And we um, set up a consultation just to talk about what's been happening, what their goals are, that kind of thing. And just to, just to get to know them a little bit. And often they're reaching out to me because they've had some trauma in their life that has caused them to be stuck and usually stuck feels like anxiety. It feels like depression. It feels like grief. It feels like I'm, I'm a really intelligent person, but I'm not living my life the way I want to live it. I'm not feeling the way I want to feel each day. So they're kind of like these invisible problems, right? So you can get by not dealing with those invisible problems for a long time because you can kind of stuff it down and pretend like it's not happening. Absolutely. But many times they come to me with this weight on their chest or heaviness on their body and it keeps reminding their brain to have these thoughts that are really cyclical and racing you know i'm not enough i can't do this it's too scary to make a change i can't move past this or they're ruminating on that past trauma they just keep flashing back to it or thinking about it and can't move past it and be in the present moment so that's where many people especially very early, I'd say probably the first 10 years of my career, that was the, my primary focus. And because I'm an entrepreneur in my own business, I started networking with lots of entrepreneurs. And then I started working with lots of entrepreneurs because we know that the only thing standing in the way of our success is what we think about ourselves and success and all that stuff. So we have to get our mind right in order to move forward and in order to move forward the way that we want to. And so then I started working with lots of people on limiting beliefs about money and that kind of thing. So I have kind of two tracks in my business. One is really about healing the past and the other is about healing the past and then the growth and allowing in success beyond your wildest dreams. Mm. Yeah. I love that. Can we talk about, so again, because this is, you know, money isn't scary. Let's talk yeah. a little about the money mindset stuff. Fear is just, one of my favorite topics to talk about. Mm -hmm. So how do you, I guess, get to the root of what some of these issues are that the people are, that your clients are working with. And when it comes to mindset and, and maybe scarcity, how they're closing themselves off. I'd love to hear first of all, how, and how, how you, um, you get to that issue. And then what are the tips or strategies, I guess, that you work with to help them kind of move through it? Sure. Sure. With hypnosis, I have a very, specific plan that I take everybody through. It's fully customized. It's not like, you know, one plan works for everybody, but there are specific parts. And one of the pieces that has become very, very valuable, um, well, was very, very valuable in my healing of the anxiety that I held, held and dealt with for a long time is revisiting those past experiences with um, a perspective of, I want to see how I felt at that time. 
going back to those memories where the heaviness or the racing heart or the racing thoughts or, you know, the tightness in the shoulders or whatever the feeling is, that panicky feeling, looking at the experiences in my past where I felt like that, and then talking about that experience in hypnosis. It does something different in your subconscious mind when you're in hypnosis. It allows you to feel the feeling in your body, to think about the thoughts that you were having, and to the beautiful part about when you talk about something in hypnosis, your body neutralizes those responses. So panic will go away from that experience. Anxiety, fear, anger, those kinds of feelings will start to dissipate and calm down so you can actually get to a place of acceptance and even forgiveness for the past experience which is so powerful because then when that experience is more neutral it breaks the connection between that experience and your physical emotional and behavioral response because the way that you see it now is not the way that it's been feeling for you for so long those physical responses and the thoughts that happen, which feed off of each other and create more of each, right? They get to be calmed down. So imagine doing this with, you know, several experiences in your life where you've had anxiety. We'll just use anxiety because that's probably the most common thing that I work with. Where you've had anxiety or panic in that moment and you heal those experiences and neutralize them then when you're in the present moment and something happens, your body isn't reminding you of those old experiences coming in like a tidal wave because they're all neutralized. You get to be in the present moment and make a decision of how you want to feel from here, not based on the past, which is very powerful. That's amazing. Does it, does it have to be one event or one thing and I mean, I think about this in like big trauma and little trauma, right? right. Does it have to be one big traumatic event? Or what if it's just kind of more constant, smaller little traumas that are that still make you feel a certain way that you need to such feel? a great question. That's such a great question because for some people it is like one big thing that happened, right? And then for for many people, it's a pile of, of little experiences little moments where, you know, in school, I felt ashamed when I had to give my speech and I, I lost my train of thought and I got nervous and I had to run out of the classroom. And then, you know, there's this moment where I was rejected by my friend and, or I was bullied and it wasn't one event. It was, you know, for years, these little tiny things that were said to me that eroded my self-worth and my self-confidence. And for most people, it's not just one thing it's many little pieces right kind of like little fires to put out all over the place right yeah yeah i mean i think about yeah every so often i will think about something from childhood just something Mm -hmm. that hasn't come up in the longest time like you know oh i remember in high school when this girl said this to me and it could be something that triggers it right like a song (laughs) something that Mm -hmm. might might have been your favorite song at the time. And it's, you don't remember anything else around it, but you just remember that one little thing. Right. And, um, and something like that actually just happened to us, to, to me this weekend, I was thinking, I heard a song and I was thinking about, Oh yeah. I remember when that happened. And then, I mean, I'm, I'm so much older and I'm over it. And I realized mm-hmm. that was, you know, just kids being kids, but 
I guess that's my conscious brain saying that my rational brain, but my subconscious brain probably hasn't quite healed that yet. Right. Yeah. It's really fascinating because often what'll happen is that we'll have worked through it in our conscious mind. We'll have talked to all of our friends about all the things, right? We'll have gone through, this is our brain trying to process it. The desire to tell everybody the story for many people, that's their response. Right. And so we worked it on our conscious mind, just like you said, you know, I was a kid that was just kids being kids, but the subconscious mind can sometimes get stuck at that age where it, it only sees you as that 13, 14 year old, say, for example, who had that moment where their friend picked on them or said something that really stung. Then people who they consider friends somehow become unsafe. Then it's a little harder to trust new people. Then it's a little harder to trust being in friendships. Then it's a little harder to trust being in a romantic relationship. Now imagine you have that one situation that you had. Imagine if you had had that happen to you 30 times, how that can really wear away your self-worth and erode your confidence in yourself. And pretty soon your energy shifts that first time someone is unkind to you, right? Then you're a little bit on guard. And then pretty soon you're not the person that you started out being because of all of these little tiny little wounds. Yeah. And your subconscious is not that fresh little subconscious that says, Oh, everything is great. And the world is wonderful and I'm going to be fine and I can take risks and I can try this and try that. But the first time that we are hurt and we're not valued, it starts to shift who we are. And most of our patterns come to us even before we're age nine. Like most of the patterns that we're running off now in our lives are from things that happened, events that happened before we were nine years old. That is fascinating. Yeah. And what's interesting too, is that we're all humans, right? And we all, the more that we learn about kind of brain science and how this stuff works, the more fascinated I am because we also live in a culture where we, where we're told that we just should be happy, right? Right. you should be happy. Just be grateful for everything that you have. Just mm-hmm. be happy. And so it almost feels like we are not allowed to, and maybe this is just a, I think of it from the female perspective. I think there's more pressure on a female um, in yeah. our day and age to be like this, but you've got all the boxes checked. You've done all this. Just be happy. You should just be mm-hmm. happy. But we're not actually, until we get to a point where we're not actually processing these past traumas and that creates who we are today and how we are approaching our life in the situation that we're faced with at this very moment. Absolutely. You, when you said, just be grateful, you know, there's lots of way to bypass feelings, lots of ways, right? And many people call that spiritual bypassing. Use these tools, you know, rely on these tools, rely on everything happens for a reason. Um, which I do believe, but it doesn't feel good in the moment to just think about that. You know, just be grateful that this thing happened because it'll take you to the next level or whatever. That is, that's really bypassing the feelings. And the key, if you want a tip for letting yourself move through fear is let yourself feel the really uncomfortable feelings. Don't identify them as bad or good, but just let yourself feel them without judging them because they will pass through your body and you won't form an attachment to them. 
because when you judge it, you form an attachment, it will stay and it will, it's harder to move that feeling out. But it is so key to let yourself feel it, which sucks. Yeah. It and then practice letting yourself feel all of those hard emotions because the more comfortable you get with feeling those difficult emotions, the easier it will be for you to allow them to pop up in your life when you take a risk. And that really is the definition of confidence, allowing yourself to take the risk that someone might reject me, you know, for um, someone whose job relies on getting on the phone and asking people for business, you're going to get rejected. But having that not willing, that unwillingness to feel that rejection means that I'm afraid to pick up the phone and call somebody. But the more comfortable I get with my own feelings, and this helps build a relationship with the self too, the more comfortable I get with myself and how I feel and what kind of feelings I can have, the depth and the breadth of the feelings of all the whole spectrum from happiness to fear and sadness and panic and grief, then I get to not rely on other people for my happiness or what, how they're going to treat me. I get to trust that whatever I go through, I get to go through it and I get to feel my feelings and I don't have to be afraid of what's, what I'm going to feel then. doesn't mean that you really become fearless, but you get a little more comfortable with feeling those feelings. So it feels fearless. Yeah. 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 Well, and I, so I have so many things I want to say, but um, <laughs> one of the things that you said was when you allow yourself to just feel when you, you're in this crappy moments, right. Mm -hmm. And you, but you, but in your, you said, let's not identify it as good or bad, but whatever it is just doesn't feel right. right. to you. In yeah. my mind, my default is I want to fix this. This doesn't mm -hmm. feel good right now. So I want to do anything and everything I possibly can to fix yeah. it. Let's come up. I'm going to come up with a strategy. I'm going to start to, I don't know what, throw money at the problem, right? right? Whatever it is that I can do, because that's how I've always operated is that, you know, whenever something doesn't feel right, I I've come in and I'm the lifesaver, right? That's yeah. who I am. I try to protect everybody around me, including myself from myself, I think sometimes. Right. And so that's where I, when you try to fix a problem, you're that's still just an avoidance technique, yes. right? That's another yeah. way to just, you know, as you said, spiritual bypassing, it's another way to just kind of shove it aside. So you don't have to have to actually deal with the, with, with handling the uncomfortableness in and of itself, because let's just try to say what, whatever this is, I think we live in a culture where we just want to embrace the good and we want to make the bad go away. And that's how we were taught. Mm -hmm. we yeah. Just, we focus on the opportunity here in America land of opportunity right. we just the next opportunity will be there it's fine don't worry about it yeah just move forward right and it doesn't really take that long to let a feeling be fully felt it doesn't have to be five weeks or five years you know you can let yourself feel something really let yourself feel it and have your emotions crying is very powerful crying is very powerful and laughter is very powerful Letting yourself feel those feelings for even just a few minutes with fully sitting in it will help you get comfortable with it. 
And the next time it comes to you, it's like, oh, I remember that isn't so bad. It's not so bad. I, I can handle that. And then you're not judging it as much anymore. And it can move through you within minutes and hours rather than months, days, decades. You know, it could take a, re- a really long time for judging it. And then yeah. we can move on to what the solution is. Because we get to still move on to the solution, right? We don't have to take that out of the equation. But it's okay to feel. And we actually discover so much about ourselves when we let ourselves feel. Yeah. Well, I think the the fear, fear that we all have around whatever, you know, that whatever it is that's that's keeping us from taking on risks, that fear itself is what we're that is the uncomfortableness that mm-hmm. we're all trying to avoid right yep. it's it's maybe sounds a little convoluted when i say it out loud but think about it i mean what are what we are afraid of when you put yourself out in the world is people judging us people seeing us fail people thinking we're stupid people not liking us all of those things are what we're trying to avoid in our mindset and in mm-hmm. our actions and and by shoving away joy and risk and all the, all the exciting things that we could do. But when you actually sit in those exact same, like if I sit with the concept of people not liking me, or I sit with the concept of people seeing me fail, is it really that bad? And just kind of, and I, a lot of times I will do that. I'll, I'll just kind of just ruminate on it a little bit, or I'll journal something out. I'll just write it Mm -hmm. down. Like what is so bad about that? And I think for me, it's, it's taken a long time to get to this point because even the Megan of six months ago would have still had a really hard time with, with that whole concept of, because it's always something new, right? I started a new job and I'm afraid of people thinking that I'm stupid, right? You know, I started the podcast and I'm afraid of people seeing me fail or all this. So whatever new thing is going on in your life, whatever, whatever, like adventure that you're on at this point is always like a new, I think a new place for growth because those are where the story, your stories are going to come up big then. Mm -hmm. Right. And now just think of this from a a flipped perspective. Think of that one person that you judged in your life and you thought they were stupid. Now I know nobody, we're not judging anybody now because we've all grown past that. We're very perfect about not judging anybody. (laughs) We're all works in progress with the judgment. Even the one who teaches it is Think about that person that you, you know, thought, oh man, they're a mess. I don't really think I can be around them. I don't really like them. Is that affecting their life at all? You having your thought in your, I'll sitting on your couch across town or across the country or the other side of the world. Is it bothering them at all? Is it endangering their life at all to have you thinking, wow, they really don't have their crap together. Right. So is it going to affect me when I'm sure people want, you know, think at times that they've witnessed something in me or remember me from junior high when I really didn't have my crap together and, you know, having these, these moments or people in who knew me in my early twenties versus who I am right now, or even in my early thirties versus who I am right now, what their opinion doesn't really impact me, but our brain really cares about keeping us safe and with the herd, right? Right. Because 
we got bounced out of the herd, that would mean that we were abandoned and they would mean probably death for us. So we're still tied to those old, old ways in our DNA of trying to protect us. And, and like you said, I just love that you're like thinking about these things and writing them down and journaling. Would that be so bad? Would it be so bad if, you know, so-and-so met me and they didn't think I was that great? Probably not. No. I probably no. wouldn't die from that. I there's would probably be okay. There's millions of people in the world. I right. can find other people that I do click with, right? Exactly. Now, yeah. And and I think about the failure side of it, you know, as when I was starting the podcast, like what if people see me stumble and people see me fail and I'm, and I'm not perfect every time yeah. I go out there, which I am not clearly not. And nobody is. That's the thing. Right. Nobody, it's not even remotely possible that somebody could be right. right. Especially when you're new at something because <laughs> you've got to learn yeah. somehow anyway. So that's what I mean. I think, you know, when you tell, when you look at these stories that you're telling yourself and these deeply embedded beliefs, you have to kind of realize that like, they're not rational. No. And they, make, they make no sense. <laughs> right. And I think to that point though, I mean, the things that we say we're afraid of are almost like red flags. Like those are the things that we need to be paying attention to because yeah. those are the need to be learning for us, for our kind yes. of personal growth purposes. Absolutely. I think they're compass, you know, lead you to where you're at the edge of your belief system, where you can expand, where something could be better for you, easier for you, because we're allowed to have things be easy for us too. We're allowed to grow into having those things be easy. And when we look at where our fears are, it's like this um, little spot that says, hey, come over here, explore this, push on that boundary or that, 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 uh, air, that place where you think you're, you can't get any further. And when you do see what happens next, see how much more growth you can have and how much more fun you can have on the other side of that fear. And that thought that you've been thinking for years was a truth that it can be, you can have a totally different truth in the place of that in your mind. That's really exciting. Like, yes. of course, I'm such a nerd about all this, but it's exciting to think, oh, my greatest fear, I can start to think a new way. I can push myself. I can heal and I can let myself walk through that belief and start believing a whole new set of thoughts. And that will create a whole new belief system for me. You know, if you, you, yeah. if you think that learning about money is scary, then starting to learn, like pick up a book, start to learn one thing. And then it becomes an exploration. Like pretty soon money isn't that scary at all because you've learned all these things about it. And now you're having conversations with financial planners and you're talking more about your retirement account instead of that thing that you wouldn't even open the statement when it came in your mailbox. Right. Right. You know, it's, it's little teeny tiny baby steps that if you just kind of lean into the discomfort yes. and take, and I said this on an episode recently, if you just kind of start to take ever so slightly little baby steps into that gray area that doesn't feel mm -hmm. comfortable to you because it's, it's, it's not compartmentalized. It hasn't already been judged one way or the other. Right. Then that's where, again, that's where the magic happens, but that that's where I think we 
can start to turn things around a little bit. That's where we're not, we're like that stuckness that we feel can start to come undone a little bit. Absolutely. Because action creates confidence. You don't wait for your confidence to come up and then start doing stuff, right? You have to take a, your baby step, you know, take that pudgy little baby foot that you have and put <laughs> one foot in front of the other. And as soon as you start to do that, you're like, well, maybe I can walk. I was just crawling this whole time, but this first step, you know, this wasn't so bad. Maybe I can do it because every time we take another action, we start to trust ourselves more and that helps us have more confidence and confidence will help us create clarity and certainty. And then it'll help us take more action. It's a beautiful, beautiful cycle. And all starts with those little tiny Flintstone feet moving and taking a step, right? Right. The tiniest action can be like, oh man, I didn't know I could do that. Right. And before you know it, you know, the more that you do that, things start to shift and you don't even realize it. You know, I think a lot about this concept of judgment and how, how we at first are going for me anyway, just constantly judging myself. Like this isn't good enough, no matter what, you know, starting a podcast is a new and scary thing for me. I don't like the sound of my voice or, you know, there's always something right. Or my audio is the the quality of my audio is terrible. (laughs) Of course I'm recording into my cell phone in a room with, you know, screaming children downstairs. I I don't know (laughs) what I'm doing, but I have to take some little tiny baby step. And because I want to, and I want to see what happens with this. And you know, and here we are. And I, I think that it's evolved and it's changed over time, but that's just because I'm continuing to take one little teeny, teeny, teeny baby step without judgment and believe me right. the judgment is there, but I'm working, but I'm trying to strip it away. Um, yes. Many days where I'm just like, I don't have enough followers. I'm not good enough. I, I, <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. And we talked about that a little bit before, right. um, before we hit record this whole, I don't know what I'm doing, but but I think it's really important to at least acknowledge that these are stories. These are, these are, may not even be the beliefs that we have. They may have been absorbed from somebody else somewhere. Oh, yeah. And we're just taking them on as ours and to really try to dissect that and not judge ourselves because we live in a culture of judgment and yeah. we, that, that has to start to evolve a little bit. And we have to start being kinder to ourselves. Yes. And to one another. I mean, when we're, when, when we notice that we're really critical of others, we know that we we're deep in the judgment of ourselves because it's a mirror. That's a really nice indicator of that feeling of, Oh man, I just judge that person for no reason whatsoever. I must really be in the thick of it with myself. How can I infuse some love here? What can I give to myself? What am, what am I missing? giving to myself that will help me ease that judgment toward other people too. It's all intertwined. You know, we are everyone else. We are all one. So when we're struggling or we're making, you know, judgments against other people, it's just a reflection of what's happening inside of us. Absolutely. I 100% believe that. What are some tips I'm curious from your perspective that when you are in the thick of it and you do find yourself, okay, wow, I am, judging that person, but I'm really judging myself. That person's so selfish. And then you hold the mirror up and you're like, oh, maybe it's me (laughs) right now. How do you kind of process that? And how do you, like you said, infuse some love back into the situation so that you're not 
being critical of yourself, but yet you're also growing at the same time. Right. I think a huge thing is to really start to notice your thoughts. And this is a big deal. This takes practice. So I'm not saying, hey, go notice your thoughts and you'll be everything will be great, right? Start to notice what you're thinking. When you are looking at someone, pause and just think about what am I thinking about them right now? What am I thinking about myself in relation to them right now? And then really notice the quality of those thoughts. Are they kind? Are they unkind? Are they respectful? Are they compassionate? Are they straight up mean? And then ask, you know, how do I feel about myself in those situations? Because it's really easy for us to have a gap in our lives and see someone else with appearing to have that gap filled and judge everything about the way that they filled that gap. Right. You know? We make assumptions because we don't really know what's going on in their lives. Absolutely. Absolutely. But we tell oh. we these stories up because oh. it feels good to us. It, it helps totally. us tell a story in our own heads. Absolutely, it does. And I have this the story. I'll try to make it quick. I was in my corporate job. We had cubicles. They were low. You could watch everybody and how they operate all day, right? And there was this woman that worked in my department who seemed to always be getting engaged and getting big batches of flowers. Okay. And here was Rebecca on the other side of the room. She was hiding in a relationship just because she was afraid of real commitment. And so she wasn't having the spark and the fun and the joy and wasn't really feeling connected to her partner because we were just both hiding out in the safe little relationship. So I would witness this person getting big flowers and getting engaged then breaking up. And I thought, geez, you know, what's her deal? Can't she be alone? Like, it's so easy for her to get engaged over and over, you know? And of course I say that it wasn't like she got engaged 16 times. She got engaged twice while I witnessed her. Right. But she was going through her own stuff. She was working her way out of relationships that had abusive patterns. And all I witnessed was the big flowers and, Oh, the shiny object, you know, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And I was reflecting on how I felt about my lackluster love life, which was lackluster for years and thinking, wow, she must really be needy. And I was really jealous of all the, the things that appear to be so great because it wasn't, it wasn't going well for me in my own life. Right. It's a very simple illustration of, how you can take your own crap and start to tell stories about other people. And the moment we start telling stories, we know that there's a connection inside of us. Right. And if we witness it later, it's like, sometimes it'll, we'll trigger something in our thoughts and judge about judge someone about something that we've gone through and that we've worked on so hard and we can see them struggling with it. Like, how come they can't see it? I've got it all figured out now because I worked so hard on figuring that piece out or there's just this big gap that we're trying to fix or don't even know that we have to fix yet. Like you said, it's like a little red flag. It's a little breadcrumb into these little areas where we can heal more and love more. Yeah. And it's also like, like the work is never done. 
Mm-hmm. And I think that's what you know, a lot of perfectionists, perfectionists in recovery, like myself, like to think like, as soon as I figure this one thing out, and as soon as I flip that switch and I get to the other side, because of course it's always that easy. It, the stories we tell ourselves about that, right? That I'll be great. Like I will be a better person, but it's like, no, I mean, once you figured that one out, then there's something else. Then it's another level of all, like, all of your stuff comes up and certain situations trigger certain things more so than others. Right. But I think, you know, being aware anyway of triggers. And I say this sometimes on the podcast, like, you know, if opening up your, your online banking and looking at your checking account and you see that you've got, you know, you thought you had, maybe, maybe you thought you had a little more money in there and you've got $57 in there from now until the end of the week, when you've got right. it, when you get paid again, if that is triggering for you, let's explore that a little bit more. If that starts to give you this meltdown and this overwhelm when it comes to, when it comes to money. Okay. We, I mean, maybe, yeah, there's some work that has to be done with budgeting. Sure. But that comes second. The first thing is let's figure out why we're doing, we're getting to this point in the first place. Why are we having the meltdown? What is really going on? Like underneath right. that, looking at the, the, the checking account, the bank account. And you see that all the time in across all different themes. I think a lot about a lot of it in like the like diet and wellness industry and stuff. I mean, people go on diets because they're just trying to fix a problem that they think is this, if only I was this size, or if only I can just right. change my body and I, or I eat the right things, then I can control something, but it's never, that's never the issue. It's right. always what's going on underneath. And mm-hmm. until you can kind of sit with that and figure out what that is. And it might be one thing today. And then you work through that. And then, you know, a month or two later, maybe it's something else, or maybe it's a combination of multiple things and you can only pick and choose one thing at a time because right. it might be much to, 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 to handle all at once. Yeah. We're limitless beings. So why on earth would we think that we were these simple little uncomplicated things that only had one set of limits? We're limitless. Like the more, and this for a visionary, me, and the way that I love growth so much, I've developed this life of pushing my boundaries, right? And um, exploring beyond them. That it's exciting to me when I think, okay, if I get to this place, what's going to be on the other side of that? The more that I allow myself to explore and heal, the greater my imagination grows, the greater my desires grow. Because I'm living a life right now that I did not know existed for me even five years ago. Even a year ago, I'm living in a place that I didn't know existed. We were looking for a home on a lake and we found this tiny little lot that was 100 feet by 225 feet. And we thought we're waiting for that to go on the market. We're gonna snap that up and we're gonna figure out how to build the house that we want in that tiny little space. And my sister, who's a realtor, said, I found you a spot and you're never gonna believe it. 750 feet of shoreline and almost eight acres on a lake, a Mm. huge lake. Mm. I didn't even know what a property like that existed before April 3rd when she called me. And now I'm living on it. Yeah. Yeah. We thought we're just going to do what we can do to get on the lake. Right. And that's a symbolic for every other thing. It's like, I'm just going to do what I can do until I get to that. What I think is my happiness. Yeah. 
this will make me happy, right? Losing that 20 pounds or getting, you know, that extra, having $300 at the end of my pay period, that'll make me happy. Or that it's what culture tells us, right? Yes. You should have, you know, have the perfect marriage, the three kids and the white picket fence. Right, right. But there's, so we almost, like you said, we, we limit ourselves and we put ourselves in a box because we, and we assume, and so many people, how many people really want that? Right. <laughs> I don't right. know a lot of people that really, truly are in that situation and have all that, that, that perfect, you know, American dream life and are really happy with and it. And don't want anything more. Right. Because once but- that is dream is realized, then there's like, oh, there is more to being happy. It's like, we think the stuff will make us happy, but it's the journey with the stuff and the other humans that push us and help us explore and decide what for us is happiness and decide for us what is success beyond that. Right. And yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, success is such a personal thing. Our culture likes to define the dollars and notoriety, but success to the individual, it looks so different for every one of us. Yes. So much different. And I think that is a really big, it's kind of that wake up call for a lot of people who I work with a lot of people in their thirties, forties, fifties. And it's like, I got, I did this because my parents did this and this is what they said made them happy. I don't even know if they were truly happy, but this is where they were. And so I did that because I was told that that was a thing. You know, a lot of us are realizing right now that going to college for a four-year degree may not be the path. It may be going to a trade school and learning that and becoming really skilled in that, that might be way more fulfilling than a four-year degree. Right. Or you having know, a corporate job or instead exactly. of on your own, which is a risk. And yes. you know, we were talking before that, that, that our parents' generation, a lot of them are kids of the depression era and they right. lived in this world of scarcity. And so of course they don't have this, this mindset of abundance that there could be something yes. out there and that it's just this very limited, this is the way it has to be. Yeah. And I think there's this point where our spirit says, Hey, you got all that stuff that you wanted. your all the checks, everything got checked off, but I want to grow. Because our brain doesn't really care about us being happy. It cares about us being accepted. It cares about us being safe. It cares about us, you know, being similar to everybody else. That's what our brain likes because safety is similar for the brain. It's our spirit that wants happiness. So then we get what we think is going to make us keep us happy. And then there's this longing for deeper fulfillment, deeper connection deeper impact, greater impact, a bigger ripple, greater knowledge, more creativity, whatever it is. And then we're led to these conversations and say, okay, this is pretty sweet, but it's not everything. Yeah. I need to go deeper or wider or whatever. Well, it's challenging that happily ever after narrative that we've always Mm -hmm. been taught. And I talk a lot on a couple episodes about this whole concept of like, the you you watch the movie the movie ends and everybody's it, ha, it has a happy ending i don't like to watch movies that don't so <laughs> maybe this is Same. because there's something to that i think i'm quite some questioning it right now but <laughs> but i think that you know i always want to know okay what happens next so you've got the perfect happy couple or what whatever it is what happens 
next, right? right? Like you just live happily ever after and everything is good all the time. Or do you, you just don't see anything more than that. And I think we need to start normalizing that stuff in our culture that like, yeah, okay. Yeah. Maybe we will. The, the happy couple will get in some fights here and there. Maybe somebody will get anxiety and then it triggers this and that, and then things happen and then life goes on. But I think that when we tell ourselves that happily ever after is the end, and that's just the way it should yeah. be, like we move through that, that adverse period right now. And then that's it. Then that just kind of, I think messes us up a little bit. It makes us think a lot differently about the long game. Oh yeah. Well, women are taught in, in all the fairy tale movies and children, little boys and girls and everybody else too, that when you get to the point where the prince asks the princess to marry him and they move into the castle and they live happily ever after that, that's the end point. And let's face it. The reality of that is the prince and princess are very young. They don't even have their full frontal lobe developed yet, which happens at about 26, 28, 27, right? So of course we reach that age and we want more because we're starting to use our critical thinking skills in whole new ways. We're very, when we're very young is when a lot of, a lot of our uh, relationships are solidified, right? Where we get married in our 20s. I didn't, I was a 41 year old bride, yes. But remember I hid from commitment for a long time. So, <laughs> but there, <laughs> what was that? You said that's a good thing because when you're older, you have a better understanding of who you are. Oh okay. yeah, way different relationship than anything I could have ever dreamed of, in fact. yeah. But there was that point where, you know, I was in the relationship in my twenties, the beginning of my twenties, and we had, very much idealized how we were going to live our lives, who we were going to be as a couple, how many kids we were going to have and all that stuff. And the more that we grew, the more that we found our own interests and our own ideas and our own passions. And it wasn't about just that. It was about the complete life of fulfillment. Yes. For many people having that, that base of marriage and children is very, very much the foundation of who they want to be. And we will always start to have desire because we grow and we have new experiences and our brain (laughs) fills in and finishes developing. So we're looking at things very differently. Right. You said this when you we make a lot of life decisions when we're younger. It's the same concept with like career choices. I mean, you see so many people that come out of college and go into law school or med school, and then they decide maybe 10, 15, 20 years into a career that this isn't what they want to be doing anymore. And then there's this almost, you know, it happens to be at that exact same time that that's when you are, we tend to be as a society getting married and having kids and all that. So then Mm -hmm. the midlife crisis comes in. Is this what I wanted in the first place? But it's almost as if our decisions were made for us mm-hmm. because culture tells us this is what we should do. Yes, right, exactly. And then we shame people who question it. And we, oh, feel mid- and we call it, yes. And we call it the midlife crisis instead of spiritual awakening or spiritual growth spurt or simply awakening. Right. Right. Like you must be crazy because you don't want what you were, what we told you, you should want. Yes. Right. Right. But, and to exactly to your point, wow, no, maybe that's not what I ever wanted. And I never stopped right. and gave myself the chance to question it. Exactly. Exactly. 
Yeah. Oh my gosh. This is so fun. Um, and I could talk to you for hours. I'm serious. This is so much fun. Um, but in the theme of starting to wrap up, I want to ask you one more question that I ask to all of my guests on the show. And I just love this question. I think it's so powerful and the answers are always so unique. If you could leave our audience with one piece of advice, what would it be? Hmm. Love more, love yourself more listen to yourself, love more, love the parts of you that are scared, love the parts of you that are angry, infuse more love, and then give more love within your standards and you're using your discernment, but love more because it's limitless and it's, it feels so much better than fighting it and not sharing it. Mm, I could not agree more. I love it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. So please tell everybody how they can find you and follow the work that you're doing in the world and promote everything you got going on, please. Oh, that's amazing. That's very generous. Thank you. You can find me through my websites, RebeccaWiener.com and HealWithHypnosis.com. HealWithHypnosis is really more um, geared toward healing trauma. Um, RebeccaWieners.com is more about um, healing and growing and then you know, getting on that magical, wonderful ride into growth in your business and your personal life. And um, if any of this, any part of this conversation resonates with you, or you want to learn more about any of it, just click the set up a call with me. I'd be happy to have a call with you and talk about what's possible for you. That's really my heart. And that is, that's tremendously exciting and fun for me. I love it. I absolutely love it. Thank you so much. This has been such an absolute pleasure talking with you. And I can't wait to get this episode out in the world because it's going to be so fun to share. Thank you. you. Yes. Thank you for sharing your heart and giving so much to everybody through this podcast. It's really powerful. Thank you. My pleasure. 